This was the third time I tried to reach John. It had been a week since we spoke at the cemetery. Sometimes you just know that when the person doesn't answer, there's a reason, and it isn't a good one. This was one of those times. John had not been looking well. At the cemetery, I remember him looking paler, weaker. He wasn't sick, at least not any sicker than he usually was. It was just different. The last time I remember seeing someone like that, it was my grandparents in the month before they died. It was like the end was drawing near, and their body was getting ready for it. The last thing I wanted was to find out about John's condition in the obituary section of the newspaper. So one afternoon, I was able to leave the office early and go to John's house to check on him. The neighborhood was quieter than usual. I walked up to John's door, braving the vicious Roswell wind, this time with fewer reservations than the last time I was here. His neighbor was out, eyeballing me. She was a scrawny woman, typical image of a cat lady, if I asked you to picture her in your head. She didn't take her eyes off of me. When it was apparent nobody was going to answer, I figured she would be my next best lead to John. Hi, excuse me. Hi, excuse me. Do you know, do you know if John is home? No. Do you know if he's going to be back anytime soon? I'm just a friend of John's, came by to, to check on him. Um, I think he might be in the hospital or something. Really? Do you, do you know what's going on or? No. Okay. With that, thank you. Have a good day. Now what? Now what? My name is Kyle Bullock, and this is Crashed in Roswell, Survivors in a Misunderstood City. Before we get to the episode, I of course want to tell you about our awesome sponsors, Spaceport Roswell. Spaceport Roswell is a brand new attraction coming here to Roswell in downtown in the summer of 2020. They are an awesome experience of virtual reality that is taking an all-immersive approach to the Roswell lore. I've gotten to see the VR experiences myself, and they are truly top-notch. If you're coming through Roswell, you need to make a plan to go see Spaceport Roswell. You can find out more about it by going to spaceportroswellnm.com. Make sure you follow them on their social pages so that you can stay up to date with their opening and get your tickets early. That's spaceportroswellnm.com. I also want to tell you about original Crashed in Roswell gear. If you go to crashedinroswell.com, you can go check out our shop where we have t-shirts, mugs, you name it, all with Crashed in Roswell imagery, including Alien Kid gear and Survivors in the Misunderstood City gear, Go to crashedinroswell.com, go to our shop, and get your gear today. Okay, on to the episode. John's disappearance felt like the work that I had done for this podcast had all come to a grinding halt. I had a strong sense that there was more to John's story than he was telling me, yet 
I also knew he wanted to tell me, but with no John, there was no story to tell. This podcast about my family had morphed into something bigger than my family. It was suddenly about the community I was raised in, live in, and truthfully love deeply. So I want to take a moment to show you what it is like to be a Roswell local. Knowing what it's like and why we are the way we are is paramount to understanding what happens next in the story. Imagine being the child of a really famous celebrity. And by famous, I mean really famous. The kind of celebrity that when you give your last name in public, everybody turns their head to ask the inevitable question, Any relation to so-and-so? Everybody knows so-and-so. They all like him for that one thing he did in that one movie. So-and-so's face is easily found at the tabloid rack of grocery stores or on clickbait underneath that news story you might be reading online. But if you're so-and-so's kid, you could be an attorney for the poor, curing cancer, or solving global warming. You wouldn't be known for that. You'd be known for being so-and-so's kid. That's kind of what it's like being from Roswell. No matter where we travel, we get asked, you mean that Roswell? Every week, some story about aliens and the Roswell lore is plastered on the tabloid stand at grocery stores. We could be curing cancer in Roswell. We would still be known as that alien town. If you haven't lived in the shadow of celebrity, then it might be hard to understand why this is such a bad thing. After all, we have a built-in brand, right? The world knows us. Isn't that wonderful? I guess. In a sense, sure. But there is a dark side to it, especially when it comes to being heard. Living in the shadow of celebrity means you will always be compared to that celebrity or their image. People will make assumptions of you based on what they think you should be like. Keep in mind, the UFO crash in Roswell happened over 70 years ago. There has been thousands of UFO sightings around the world since then. The Pentagon has released footage. Governments have covered up worse things. Yet... We remain known for this thing that happened 70 years ago. When you're traveling and people find out that you're from Roswell, um, what is their response? Do they take you seriously? Well, initially, it's always a question regarding the presence of aliens or UFOs. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's hard to uh, push the conversation to a more serious or historically accurate point. So no. So no. <laughs> no. I sat down with my best friends, Summer and Tony Souza, and my beautiful bride, Devin, to help paint a picture of what it's like living in Roswell. They are all transplants into Roswell, meaning they came here as adults and missed out on growing up here like I did. But they've been here long enough to be deeply ingrained in the culture of Roswell. What were we saying? It's always, hi, I'm Devin. Nice to meet you. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Roswell, New Mexico. Oh. <laughs> but, have you seen any aliens? Like, every time. That's like always the first question. Have you, have you seen ever, any aliens? Have you ever had a good comeback to that question? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 Have you ever lied about where you're from? Or have you ever just not told someone what town you're from or that you're just from New Mexico? Yes. yes. Many, many times. Yes. New Mexico. Like all the time, yeah. <laughs> I sometimes dread it when people like go, okay, where are you from? And I say, well, I'm from New Mexico. 
And then one of two things will happen. They'll either say, oh, Mexico, I've been there before on vacation. Yeah. Yes. No, you haven't. <laughs> That's, you wouldn't have We literally, when we were at Disney, yeah. this last time we talked to a guy who was like, I, I love Mexico. And we were like, no, New, new Mexico. Mexico. Uh, or you, sell, you tell someone, I'm from New Mexico, and then they'll ask you, oh, what, where, what part? Right. Or I love Santa Fe, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it's important for me to say that I am not anti-alien. It has been good to our town. It brings in tourists from all over the world to see the alien town in person. It's novel, for sure. We have alien-themed lampposts, alien-themed mailboxes, a large naked alien holding the Dunkin' Donuts sign, and even our McDonald's is unique. The only McDonald's shaped like a UFO. For newcomers, the novelty is great for a weekend trip. For a local who drives past it every day, it's just there. Nothing special. But when the novelty becomes so great that nobody is willing to look beyond it, to take us seriously as an oasis of the Southwest, the novelty becomes frustrating, like a kid being compared to their celebrity parents. How would you describe the people who live in Roswell as a whole? Um... People in Roswell are, um, I would I would describe it as pretty small townish. Um, it's it's a lot of connections that were made for you know years in advance of of certainly our time here, where you know so and so went to this school with this person, and this is this person's son or daughter. I mean, there's a lot of that, which is not uncommon to small towns. Do you believe there is a possibility of aliens and UFOs in our world? Yes. No. <laughs> Summer. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. The the follow up is: Do you care very much? About no. That? no. No. <laughs> Roswell, the town everybody thinks they know, yet few understand. We are a town of misunderstood survivors. We are a people who are sized up before you know us. But I don't think we're the only ones who feel the frustration of this problem. Being judged based on things you can't control is a problem as old as the human race. The problem is, are we really aware of it? How many times have you tried to be heard and yet nobody will listen because they see you or they ignore you because of the color of your skin or because of your gender? Have you ever wanted to scream and shout in order to be seen, but nobody seems to care because they've sized up your cause already? They've decided they know what you have to say before you even say anything. Prejudice is real, and it's within all of us. It is deeply seated in the human heart, and it affects communities in painful ways. It causes those who are privileged enough to be heard to stop listening. It causes some who are desperate to be heard to do radical, sometimes dangerous things. We're all wanting to be heard, but nobody's listening. I heard about a survey done not too long ago that asked kids what they wanted to be when they grew up. Instead of saying doctor or firefighter or basketball player, there was one overwhelming response by most of the kids. They wanted to be famous famous. Maybe when they're famous, they'll be heard. Maybe viewers on YouTube or followers on Twitter will listen. But we know better than that, don't we? Get famous on YouTube and you'll be known as that YouTuber. 
rise in popularity on Twitter, and become a trending hashtag. But that will be all you'll be known as, so that when you have something important to say, everyone will stop you and ask, wait, aren't you so-and-so? Being famous means everyone hears you, but nobody really listens. That is why talking to John was so important to me. We were caught in a story that everybody had heard about, but nobody had listened to. Nobody had taken the time to take John seriously. I knew that if I showed John I was willing to listen, he might actually tell me what he had been holding on to for so long. So I was persistent and determined. I called three more times. Eventually, I got through. Hello? Hey, John. John, uh, Kyle here. It's good to hear your voice. Oh, hey, Kyle. How you doing? Sorry, sorry to hear that. Uh, your your neighbor was telling me that you were you weren't well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is is there anything you need or anything I can get you? Oh, no, I don't think so. We chatted for a bit. He told me a little about his health. It wasn't looking good. It was also clear that it wouldn't make him feel any better to talk about it. So I moved on to what I really wanted to talk about. So I uh, I got a chance to talk to my family uh, recently, and my uncle has this theory uh, about why my granddad died so young, and I I really wanted to get your thoughts on it. Um, so he, I found out my granddad was a witness to the atomic blasts out at White Sands uh, when they were testing the A bomb. Yeah. And I okay, so I have so many questions. First, the first one is. You guys were in the military, your family in the military, you're at the base. Did you guys know about those those blast tests back then? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we knew about it. <laughs> and I know how Dixon knew about it, too. <laughs> really? Seriously? Yeah, oh, no, I, I was just a kid, but oh, my brother Hank and... And your grandpa and they were they were going off to college and didn't get uh, so they didn't get picked up in the draft you know but uh, <clears throat> but I think he he'd made some friends with the some of the trainees at the base <laughs> we didn't live very far from where the soldiers were trained so oh he spent a lot of time with them on their lunch breaks and so forth and oh, he loved the military <laughs> loved being with those guys so they invited him and uh and and they invited Dixon to watch it. Really? Wow. So so my granddad and Hank saw that together? Yeah. I, I mean, how how do those guys those how do any of those guys know about it? Wasn't wasn't that like a secret or something? <laughs> secret. <laughs> it's a big bomb in a small town. Kind of kind of hard to keep that quiet, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, so, so my uncle thinks that the fallout gate from the bomb that my granddad saw would have possibly given him cancer in in his adult life. Do you, what do you think? Do you think that's possible? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Did. Did your brother have any uh, effects like that from the fallout? Well, you know, 
not sure. <laughs> you know, he died um, back when I was in the army. He had a motorcycle accident, but <laughs> I remember mother could tell me that uh, he went to the VA every now and then. Yeah. Really? So, uh, and that could be his visits could be connected to to what he saw, possibly. Uh, could be, I suppose. <laughs> oh, you know what, Kyle? That, that that bomb test or whatever it was, not the only connection my family had with that. Really? What, what do you mean? Yeah. Well, I, I, my dad, and I, I think I told you this, I think I told you my dad used to work on the planes for the 509th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm like a mechanic or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, he he ended up on that island out there in the Pacific, somewhere I don't know, somewhere near Guam. I forget the name of the island, but he he ended up with the five hundred ninth there, and and uh, he he worked on those planes, the ones that ended up dropping those bombs. No way! No way! So. He could have, I mean, do you know if he worked on, I don't remember the name of the plane, but do you remember the, the, there was a plane that took that over yeah. there? Did, did he work yeah. on that? Yeah, there were two of them, and he worked on both of them, yeah. Really? Yeah. How, did he talk to you about what that was like at all? No, I was just a kid, but, <clears throat> but Hank told me. He asked, he asked her dad a lot about it, but... Uh, I don't know. He's pretty tight-lipped. He didn't. He didn't say much. Didn't seem to want to say much. Apparently. Yeah. I. I can't imagine. Yeah. What like, that was like. What? I. I don't know. What, what words could you use to, to say like what happened? That's, heavy, right? Well, yeah. To be part of that, and know that you. You. Uh, <laughs> you were part of the. Your your mom worked at the base. Did do you think she ever had any exposure to to anything any any kind of like you know radiation side effects or anything like that? Uh, I, not that I know of. I mean, she wasn't obviously she wasn't at the blast, but there could have been something at at the Roswell base that. They they were working on that could have exposed her, right? No, 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 no. Just don't know. Would she have seen any? Would she have seen any like soldiers coming in with those kinds of symptoms? I don't know. Okay, that's that's fine. That's cool. We talked about nothing for a little longer, mostly John's heated opinions on the state of politics. Then we called it a day. I know. I know. John was still holding back. I didn't worry. I now knew two things. First, I knew what John was holding back. It had to do with his mother. That seemed to trigger him, and there was something there. Second, I knew that John knew I cared. And I knew that in time, John would reach out to me. It was just a gut feeling. And I was right. On the next episode of Crashed in Roswell, John finally reveals what he has been keeping secret for nearly 70 years. 
If you haven't already, make sure you please hit subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast has been a labor of love and has involved so many hands that have made it happen. You can support every great person who has worked on this by visiting CrashtonRoswell.com, where you can support us by purchasing exclusive merchandise from our store and by checking out our blog with more details on the history behind this series and little into my family's past. Crashton Roswell is created, produced, and narrated by me, Kyle Bullock. The theme song is by Brian Hunley. Additional music by So I'm an Islander. Special thanks to David Langford and Ryan Bishop for their advice and help with this podcast. You can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter to check out exclusive behind-the-scenes content and info for each episode, including the location of that mysterious conversation I had with John at the cemetery, and much, much more. You can also learn more about me by visiting kylerbullock.com. <laughs>